Absolute Rally, powered by the Kielder Works team. Cordless tools tailored for the world of motorsport. Hello and welcome to Absolute Rally, episode 6, season 19. I'm alright, I'm still here. Um, unfortunately, I'm not allowed into Finland for at least the next six months. But until then, <laughs> I'll stay exactly where I am and I'll talk to Jack Bengen. Hello, Jack Bengen. Hello, Tony Simpson. How are you doing? Have you, uh, have, you, have you managed to get through the last week all right? I'm all right. I'm all right. But I'll be honest with you, I'm glad you've obviously took up a position now within the UN. That's all I'm going to say. Um, thank you for promoting <laughs> the peace deals, as you did to our friends over in Finland. Um, and we've got... George Dake. <laughs> uh, and uh, we've got... We, well, we've had, we've had Jamie on before, but we thought it'd be a really good time to get him back on, because we've not had him on for absolutely ages the man behind the Gravel Crew page on Facebook and various other things as well. Jamie Arkell, welcome back to Absolute Rally. Hello, Tony. Hello, mate. Thanks so much for having me. No, no, no. It's absolutely great. And we, we should probably do this more often. And I, I'm going to give you a public apology now that you wrote some amazing questions for our Christmas quiz, which I didn't do last year. So it, oh, I, I, okay, I, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you full kudos. Uh, and no <laughs> way in the world would Jack Bengen got any of them right. So... Anyway, to, to, to be honest, I don't think any anyone in the Absolute Rally Quiz would have got any of the questions right. Probably not. Well, <laughs> you say that, Ryan. Well, I forget them now. I swear there was one aimed at. Uh, I swear there was one aimed somewhere towards there, but I forget what it was now. It's the one. It's the ones aimed at me that I usually struggle with. Yeah. Uh, well, you, you, you only have to think about Ryan, Ryan Champions Tony Pond knowledge, which just still it still makes me wake up in a, in a cold shiver today. To be honest with you, because. <laughs> me too. I'm pretty certain if, if anybody else knew any about, about another individual like that, there'd be an injunction of some sort. Of, you know, <laughs> there'd be some kind of court case. There'd be some kind he of... He probably knows the grady trimmed his moustache with, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? They're, they're, now, there's a Facebook page for you. The grade that's on <laughs> the <laughs> his moustache too. Yeah. But anyway, the reason, as I say, we want to get Jay back on because it's been absolutely ages. I'm sure if you don't follow the Gravel Crew on Facebook and you listen to this podcast, I'll be absolutely staggered these days. But anyway, um, Jack, Jack and I were talking because, believe it or not, we loosely have some kind of idea of a production uh, meeting of some kind of loosely kind of sort um, before we mm -hmm. record these podcasts. And uh, something that Jamie put up, um, a couple of days ago on the, on the Gravel Crew page, which was um, with regards to the kind of the, the, the best driver from each era and formula and stuff like that. And uh, I'm going to I'm going to go through yours first, Jay, because I'm assuming these mm -hmm. are your, your opinions. So group two, which makes me feel really old and makes me really trying to think about what group two was, was Timo Mackinen. Yeah. Yeah. Group four, Beyond <laughs> Valdegard. Which I thought was which I thought was ballsy. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. But it gets even ballsier. Group B. <laughs> Timo Salonen. Group That's A. Not ballsy. I, I think it is. <laughs> I, I'm going to get Jack's take on it in a second, and then we'll discuss it. Group A. You were Kankinen. Speaking about moustaches. Mm -hmm. F2. Rangiotti. Again. I think that's ballsy compared to some of the names that you have mentioned, which mm. we are going to discuss. Uh, two litre wheel rally cars, Sebastian Loeb. Don't think we've got anywhere to go. And Jack Bengen certainly not going to disagree with that. Um, wheel rally car 1.6, Sebastian OJ. The stats don't lie. Um, and I'm going to save the last piece because I think that's a really good talking point, um, which was the, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, 
Uh, I'm going to try and read it as which driver car combination from any area did you find the most underwhelming? I think that's a really good one, which we'll come back to in a second. Uh, Jack Bengian, I know you're not going to, you're, you're certainly not going to disagree with the two liter world rally car, um, uh, um, uh, suggestion that, 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 that Jay all, made. All, all the 1.6. All the 1.6, yes, as, as, as you said, the stats don't lie. So I think we can, maybe we go back in kind of chronological order then. So let's go group, let's go F, let's go F2 in group A. Okay. So Ragnotti. Jack. Oh, we're going back that way. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll go back, we'll, we'll go, we'll go back that way and we'll end up at the oldest first. Okay. You go Ragnotti first. Go on. You, 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 you give us your rationale behind it and then Jack and I <laughs> will either agree, disagree or, or, or fight amongst ourselves. Well, I realise that I am kind of like you know playing hard and fast with my own rules here because I said several point stats don't lie, and let's face it, if you're looking at F2 stats, then it's Bogowski, right? But I, you know, I didn't expect when I wrote it to sort of have to justify it quite as much. I mean, I, I kind of went because of uh, his his important role in the development of the Clio, uh, which of course was the original proper Maxi, uh, even if it wasn't the most successful, and. Then I kind of uh, let my, my heart rule my head purely because I had the Creo Maxi and it looked more spectacular than, than pretty much anything else. Um, so, you know, uh, and also I guess Ragnarok because of what he did in previous years, previous seasons and different uh, different formulas as well. But again, if we go on pure stats, then I probably don't have a leg to stand on. <laughs> sure, sure. I, I realise we've kind of turned this into like a Judge Judy on on, on an item on no, your page, yeah. and it wasn't it wasn't meant to go that way. But um, <laughs> that's okay. I, I, Jack, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. It wouldn't have been, and maybe maybe this is my lack of knowledge here. My go-to probably would have been Bogalski, just mm. just just for 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 all the reasons. I, I kind of think he's the first person. I remember seeing driving an F2 car, despite what, despite everything what Jamie's just said there, Jack. Every, when I think of F2, and my first recollection of it is Bogalski. There's two, uh, there's two things at play here. I think that's important to, to start with when it comes to doing this kind of thing. And this, this, yeah, like like I said, there's two important things. I think the, the first one is what your definition of greatest is uh from mm. the start because you can you can apply different meanings to to greatest in in, in terms of how you're going to apply this to, to different drivers um but also you've got different eras within the eras so you've got like you've got the with with group four you've got the escort and the 131 and with f2 for example you've got the really early f2 mm. kind of emerging at the start of the 90s moving towards the end of the 90s where it kind of really became properly um, yeah, and and actually front running as well. So I think the the two important things are everyone's going to have an opinion, and everyone's going to remember a different era as the best, and everyone's going to have a different application of greatest. But if I was going to pick the greatest F2 driver, I think for me it'd be Bugalski just because of the the achievements really that obviously winning those those events outright was a phenomenal achievement. And I think something Jamie rightly raised is um, you know I think when we come to Salonen in a minute, it's one of the things that people say is people are lucky to be in the same place in, in the right place at the right time when it comes to certain cars but as Jamie quite rightly points out that you can you, know, you can apply that logic to anyone you know Loeb was you know you could you, you could say Loeb was lucky to turn up at Citroen when he did and, and get into into those cars obviously there's no doubt in 
low visibility over that period. But if he hadn't been lucky enough to sign for Citroen in, it, when he did, then um, you know that that dynasty may never have happened, and he may never have won a title, despite how good he is. So uh, you know, there's lots of things to take into consideration, and I think that's why it's important to have a, a healthy and uh, you know acknowledge everybody's views kind of debate on it. But yeah, I think I think Ragnotti is a good shout because of um, how good he was at the start of the F2 era, and obviously all the work that he did put into that to that work with the Clio early. And you know, I remember as early as '94 when him and uh, Alan and I were fighting against each other in a pretty much one class F2 system where it was just the two of them fighting each other in the in the Dayak silver Clios and that, that was really early F2 era but um, you know Ragnotti was, was a, a proper pilot but also obviously uh, very good at developing cars as well so I can definitely see why Jamie's gone with him as someone who would be the greatest of the era for the amount of impact that he had on it as well Do you know what Jay, I mean, Jamie I, sorry wait go on you, you were going to say no, I mean, I was just going to say, Jack's completely right when it comes to the, the difference in between what constitutes an F2 car, because obviously you've got stuff like a Mark V Escort RS2000, which is technically an F2 car, but has, you know, very little in, in common with one of the, you know, the crazy French Maxis we got towards the end of the decade, um, which I didn't really consider when I was writing this. My mind completely sifted out all the sort of the, the gravelly, the gravelly ones from this side of the uh, this side of the channel. <laughs> I think you know, but you know what? It's, it's genuinely, and I think we all, I think we all do that. I think when we all think F two, and I think that's a that's, that's, that's a very fair assumption for me, Jack. Is that we tend to just go to tarmac, don't we? I've yeah, not really yeah, thought about it before. Yeah, obviously, we, and we only think of the McGann doing British Rally Championship. And that's why we mm. think of it. That, 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 and that's why we see it that way. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go slightly left field here, by the way. In that, I, 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 I recognised I would have probably went Bugalski because that was the first person I went to. But again, I still find myself the go-to for me um, if I'm looking for a little bit of F2, F2 in car porn. Let's call it what it is, right? <laughs> Let's call it what it is. I don't want to see. Yeah. <laughs> right. It is going to be in car, probably with Panitzi. And mm, I know that clip. Yeah, and at a push, you know, if 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 I'm struggling, if I'm struggling, I'll go to Delacour. Basically, is where I'm going with this. Is, it, is is there is there anything better than a wooden gear knob in a sequential box? No, there, there isn't. There is absolutely nothing. And you know what? I still haven't got a clear cut answer. And maybe this is a bit of a challenge. Jamie may know this, Jackie may know it, and maybe some of our listeners know it. And if they don't, please let us know. Why was the knob wooden? That's mm. a good question. I bet Sebastian Loeb knows the answer to that. I'll ask him next time I see him. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure, mate. He's, got, he's probably got you blocked at the moment on your phone. You might have to use somebody else's. <laughs> but if you can, That's what I'm for. That's what I'm for. If 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 you could find out that that would be that would be fantastic, um, but just going back to obviously all, all all the reasons that you get, I wonder whether there's another F2 car that uh, you know, Jay. I think you've really hit upon something there. I I, I am struggling to think of um, of go of go to footage in F2 on gravel it's always tarmac and maybe do you think jay uh, do you think part of that is due to the fact that of course when these kind of pesky f2 cars came around it was on wrc rounds on tarmac and it's where they really annoyed the kind of the the, the, the mainstays of the wrc championship if you remember at the time well i dare say that's that's 
a big part of why it ended. But, I mean, it was it was down to Renault's uh, Patrick Landon, wasn't it, originally? I'm sure I've mur- mur- massacred the pronunciation of that. But uh, it, he wanted a way of, of, sort of beating all these, you know, all those like group A cars that were, were sort of uh, taking Renault cars, Renault, Renault stuff to the cleaners and the domestic championships. So I guess it's only natural that they, they, they were set up more with Grant with Tarmac in mind and then there were a few exceptions but the vast majority of truly successful ones were successful because they were so focused on you know Tarmac and anything else uh, can I ask a question before we move away because obviously we're, this is very much front wheel drive you didn't do Super 1600 Jamie I didn't, and I got ticked off for doing that. I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I dropped the ball. There's <laughs> the follow-up post. There's the follow-up post, yeah. You've got to do Super True. 1600, and Ryan Champion will no doubt wade in, in every yeah. way, shape, and form. <laughs> because if you don't know, yeah. if you don't know... And Ryan, will, Ryan yeah. will be right, and everybody else will be wrong as well. Absolutely. If you don't know, he's got one. <laughs> he's got an X-Works one. Ryan doesn't have anything if it's, unless it's X-Works. Not really. Works blessed. Yeah, works blessed. That's it, works blessed. Um, right, I want to move on to Group A. Um, mm. Because... I know. Uh, right, you were cankering. In a weird kind of way, was one of my heroes, and I don't quite understand how he became one of my heroes, because everybody's go-to. If, but possibly it is, and I still can't grow one to this day. Right. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't know why, but I did latch onto him. I quite, I, you know, the, that very early era. Um, I'm, I'm thinking um, probably that the end of the Salika going into when he ended up in the boring escort wheel rally car and things like that. I, 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 I probably latched onto him probably then a little bit, and I, I, I don't know why it was. But if you were to ask me to to name my Group A guy. I wouldn't know when you were Kankin, so I think it's only fair, Mr. Arkell, that you explain why you went Mr. Kankin, and then Jack and I will talk about it more. Yeah, well, I mean, I realised that the obvious answer is is Tommy, right? Because of the four titles and everything else. But, but I gave it to Yuha purely because of three quarters of his titles were in the Group A era, and because he did it for Toyota and Lancia. And, and that was kind of the, the bigger factor that for me, just the ability to win titles in different surroundings, in different cars and four different teams. Um, and obviously, Tommy mastered what was required to, to you know, make the Lancer work. But after that, things went somewhat awry. Um, but again, I, I do appreciate that I'm probably opening myself to some criticism for not including Mackinnon here. <laughs> well, I, the, the reason why I set it out... I, Again, I, I, I don't think, Jack, I was one of the, I came from that and that, that school of thinking. And, and, and I'm even going to mention Roundy Roundy in this. When somebody is ultimately successful and dominates a sport, um, you know, I'm thinking Schumacher and F1 around that period as well. I think a lot of people kind of switch off to them. And I think Tommy perhaps had that a little bit. I can seem to remember people being really annoyed that he'd won again. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'd, I'd go with that. I think. I think the first question is, um, like for me, uh, I don't think of Mackinnon when I think of Group A because that that kind of era is edging towards its WRC cars, isn't mm. it? And, uh, and, and although you can like a lot of people define Group A as ending in two thousand and one, right? But for me, Group A kind of ends with like ninety six, basically, because yeah. once Mackinnon's in the Mitsubishi, that's all. 
e even as something as stupid as all the cars are designated as WRC at the end, like just silly things like that. So uh, I don't know if it's just a personal thing, but for, for me, Mackinnon doesn't really come into it for that. But I take your point, Tony, definitely. I think people get bored of people winning all the time, um, especially when things are so close. Like Mackinnon was, you know, uh, although he'd won those four titles, it was, you know, still fairly close through the year. And it was in a, a period of WRC where, um, you know, you could win one rally and win the championship or, you know, there was lots of uh, specialists still coming in, winning different rallies. So a lot of it was about consistency as well. And not that he didn't win a lot of rallies, but, you know, it was, it was um, you know, quite an unpredictable period. But I think the only other person I'd throw in there is Sainz because, obviously, Carlos mm. wasn't around for as much as the as, as Kankinen for that early part of the Group A era. But some of his achievements were were mega with the Monte and obviously the, the first sort of foreign-ish driver to win in Sweden and you know some of the things that science achieved all, all doesn't doesn't tick the box of uh, different cars obviously most of his group A success with, with the Toyota although you could argue he could have won either of the two years in Subaru really if things have gone slightly differently you know he would have won both of those titles as well so I think he's someone to consider as well but I think it's difficult to look past Kankinen if you're referring to that kind of um, 87 to kind of 95 period. Do you know, you mentioned Carlos uh, then, and I've got somewhere, and I should give this to VHS videos, uh, or VHS rallies rather, I've got footage of him testing the Escort world car in the Repsol colours around Borum somewhere on VHS oh, tape. photos of that. Yeah. The blue one, there's two, there's a white livery and a blue livery, and they're both stunning, isn't they? Yeah, uh, and, and I, the reason why I can remember it so much, and I don't know whether it was just a mock-up of a test car, and I'm sure it was, is that the headlights were bouncing everywhere, and they had the twin <laughs> headlights in, and the headlights were bouncing everywhere. And I don't know why that sticks with me, but uh, I think people tend to think of Carlos as a Toyota man, but a lot of his early history, if you look back, uh, Jamie, I'm sure you've done this as well, I've got images of, of of carlos in my head and my mind's eye now in the sierra cosworth you know the whale-tailed sierra cosworth and i can remember him doing i think that's what he did the spanish championship and what he dominated in i might be wrong yeah. is that is that me getting it wrong no no, no that's right did. yeah yeah sorry go on jack sorry no no, no it's okay i was gonna say he did a, he did a mean, couple of seasons in the cosworth he also did some pretty good stuff in a renault 5 uh, group b turbo as well wow do you know what? I've and, never uh, seen any of that. I think he did the Giro d'Italia uh, in 80, must have been 86, I guess. I don't know how well he did, but he certainly is one of these, like, along with uh, um, Oriol, people who sort of crossed over into Group A off the back of Group B. Did he Oriol? Now, there's a, there's, 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 there is another... Do we class, and I'm going completely and utterly away from what <laughs> we're talking about here, right? Did he Oriol, specialist or non-specialist? Non-specialist. Jack? Yeah, I think I'd go non-specialist. I think, okay. um, was it uh, 1995 would have been the first year he did Rally Sweden? I think that's right. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. So, so there was a bit of He won Finland as well, though, didn't he? You don't specialist if you win Finland, I think. I think that no, put, no. sets him apart. I didn't, I didn't specify I what surface. There's <laughs> 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 my think, out on that one. I think I think he's all round enough with yeah. with the wins that he's had that, that he's not defined as a specialist in in my opinion anyway. Okay, okay. Now, uh, just before we, we 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 move away from 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 Group A because this Group A for me is the period where where I completely and utterly got it and fell in love with it. So this is this is an and I this is a key moment for me. I'm you know I'm a little bit older I think than the pair of you, but certainly 1990. I'm 16, 
So I'm I'm kind of getting stuff. I went to rallies <laughs> when I was younger, but now at 16, I'm building cars and stuff like that. So I'm I'm kind of getting it. So th- this is my halcyon days. That 90 to 2000 for me is a key kind of period of my life in rallying uh, as as a, as as a bobble latter. Uh, and, and, and going out and watching rallies and trying to find footage and stuff like that. Kids today don't know the born with regards to YouTube and things like that anyway, but trying to find stuff. So the group A period for me, I'm still, I'm going to go completely against what Jack said, to be honest with you, because group A to me is forever Tommy Mackinnon. And for all the reasons that Jack said by the fact that it did eclipse WRC because you know, and, and again, back to what Jack said when we were talking, obviously, about Ragnotti as well. The perfect storm was Tommy in the right place at the right time with the right people around him in the right car. Yada, 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 yada. The benefits of hindsight, of course he was. Um, was it proven that Mitsubishi's move away from that Group A formula, uh, was that its undoing? I dare say, and it was interesting we had Derek Dornacy on, and I'd love to get Derek back on because we only kind of scratched the surface on this stuff. I kind of think it was. So to me, Mitsubishi is Group A because to me, they never really got into WRC cars. Mm. And that's just my honest opinion. And I'm sure someone's going to shoot me down on this. I'm no, sure. No, it's, a fair, it's, a fair, it's a fair point. Yeah. I, yep. I'm going to upset someone with that statement. Probably somebody who's got a collection of Mitsubishi Wheel Rally cars that probably <laughs> listens to this, and I'm really, really sorry. But uh, but there you go. But the the other thing I'd say about that as well is, to me, um, Group A was, uh, and this is where I probably will get shot down, was the Celica, the Delta Integrale, the Impreza, and I know what came before the Impreza, don't worry. And the Lancer, and the Lancer, they're the cars to me that. What, no, could... no Sony GTI. Say again. No Sony no, GTI. No, no, no. You may be shocked. Go on. Speaking go on, of Jack. the Sony, speaking of the Sony, and one final thing on Mackinnon. I just think it's it's incredible that we mm. talked about perfect storms before, and Mackinnon is the the absolute rally and perfect example of that in my opinion not not even Salonen I, I think it's Mackinnon because if you look at what Mackinnon was doing um, obviously like a, a bit a bit sporadic through the, the first couple of years in the 1990s but then um, 92s and the Sunny 93 he was in the Delta in Squally and then 94 he was in the Sunny doing um, like the previous version of F2 if you like uh, before it started getting a bit uh, a bit proper but in the middle of that year uh, they needed someone, you know, Ford needed someone to, to drive a Cosworth for the Thousand Lakes and he won it. And mm. his career could have gone so much differently at that point. After after winning with, with Ford there, he could have stuck around with Ford. Um, obviously, we'll, we all know what happened there, but that, that could have sent him down such a, a different path, that victory. And in fact, he ended up going back into the, he went back into the Nissan. In fact, immediately after he did the Thousand Lakes, he did the Manx in the, in the Sunny. <laughs> and, the, and then uh, and then did a deal for the for Sam Remo for the for the Mitsubishi after. But I just think it's amazing that that year started with a sunny. Then he won Thousand Lakes out, completely out of nowhere without anyone really expecting that at all. Um, that that car having obviously had Delacour in it, not particularly uh, you know flat out on on gravel at any point. Um, and then yeah, and then just diving in, back into the sunny on the Manx and then into Sam Remo with the Mitsubishi, and then that obviously that that's sort of started the whole Mitsubishi thing. So I just think that's a pretty, pretty mad story. 
Do you know what? Jamie and Delacour is the alternate history of Ford, I want to see. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Do, do you know? Do you know? Do you know? You like a meme on your on your Facebook page, Jamie. This is this is one of those. This is one of those moments where I feel completely and utterly out of my depth, knowledge-wise, with two people in a conversation. <laughs> I just want to take that step back through the bushes as Homer. That's what I wanted to do at that absolute point. Because Jack, your recall, right, is 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 absolutely phenomenal. And the only thing I can say is you never went to warehouse parties when you were younger because you wouldn't have that recall now if you did. Anyway, I did a few of those. I know you did, Jay. So did I. So did I. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, we will move on then. We, we, mm. We're going to we're going to leave you where he is. We're not going to we're not going to dethrone you in any way, shape, or form. But I'm really, really, really fascinated, Jamie, by by Timo Salon and the Group B. I really well, am. Who else would you put? Because I mean, it's, it's, you know, of course, we're going by titles. Then Hankins, the only the other guy you, you presumably put in with a shout, or at least I put in the shout. But then equally, that he's in Group A. If I couldn't do him twice, and especially when he did one, he only did his winning on a, a technicality in Group B, even if it was correct. I, I don't know. Sangenen, to me, is the Group B driver I think of. When someone mentions Group B, I think to a five T sixteen, I then think Saladin and, and Fags and everything else. Um, but I, I, you know, do you know what, Jamie? Can I ask you a question, right? How old are you, James, in all seriousness? I'm 32. Okay, so you're 13 years older than me. Okay, so... Older than you. No, younger than me, sorry. I wish. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Genuinely wishful thinking kicking in there. (laughs) Right, just, I'm going to pause you. I'm going to bring you back in a second, Jamie. Really short question, Jack. Right, if you think Group B, what car do you think of? 205, T16. I don't know whether this is an age thing, you know. Because I've, 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 ruined, I've ruined your argument, haven't I? No, you haven't. No, you, 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 you've, you've actually proved it in some ways. Because where I was going to go is that my go-to, and the first thing I think of is an Audi. Without yeah, a shadow of a doubt. Do you think uh, E2, without, or are you thinking Sport, or are you thinking of the Group 4 he wants? I'm thinking, I know, I'm, 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 I'm thinking of the, um, the short wheelbase Quattro. Mm. That's my my go-to in my mind. If somebody says Group B, that's where I go. Now, perhaps because that was that was the, the, the very first, or certainly Audi was the very first angry four-wheel drive car where everybody else was playing catch-up. And what I'm saying is, is perhaps generationally here, you're coming in a little bit further down the line. Even though you're looking at it from a historic point of view, you're coming into Group B a bit further down the line. For me, my first recollections of Group B was seeing a Group a, a Group B Audi on the RAC rally go through Nosley Safari Park. That was, I, think, I think for me, go on, Jamie. Go on, Jamie. Go on. You're right. I was going to say that uh, the the Sport W's in what eighty four, which is the same year as the four hundred five P sixty anyway. So they are from the same the same season. Uh, I think was it. Uh, who debuted the 205? I forget now. I know it was midway through the 84 season. Was it Corsica? Sounds Jack, about right. You. <laughs> that, 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 that actually, you know what? I can't chip in. I think it was Corsica. There you go. That's my little tiny bit of knowledge there. There you go. That, there you go. So, well, you know what? That, that, see, that's surprising to me because the Audi always seemed to me like compared to the Peugeot, it, it was actually quite old technology. Almost to me, the difference between a world rally car in Group A, to me, the Peugeot and the Audi, that was that. To me, that's how it always felt. That the Peugeot was so much more advanced, and I know it probably mm. wasn't. 
But to me, the Peugeot seemed a lot newer than the Audi. The Audi seemed to be the very first angry, fire-breathing, four-wheel drive turbocharged machine I can recall. I think, I think for me, it's, um, it's, there's, there's two end, it's, it's almost like bookending the eras, isn't it? And if you didn't live through it, then I think the 205 kind of signifies the best of that period because it was the culmination of all of the technology, all of the abilities, all of all, of all the, you know, amazing engineers at, at, at Peugeot. And, you know, ultimately it was theoretically the best that that period produced. So if you didn't live through it, then you're kind of drawn to the fastest or the best or, 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 or that kind of thing. And if you did live through it, then the Quattro must have been such an, I imagine it's something like seeing an, like a UFO through the window, watching a Quattro for the first time, because they, they were just, obviously they were unrefined when they first came about in the early eighties, but the four wheel drive was just like, it was just night and day compared to an Escort. And then once, once they started to refine it, obviously it was just a, you know, an unstoppable formula that every, everybody else picked up. But I think if you lived through it, then, you're much more likely to identify with the Quattro because it's uh, you, you've just witnessed the generation change in front of you, and you've witnessed one of the one of the biggest changes in motorsport that, that's ever happened, effectively uh, in that sport. And then towards the end, you've seen the the best of the best. Do you know what? I, I can I can I, I can put that. I was ten years old. Okay, so I'd never seen a rally car in anger, and I'd never I'd only never seen a road car. And the only thing I can liken it to is I, I I'm going to go very left field here. Um, I might have mentioned being involved with monster trucks recently. I took my son in and put him in Bigfoot. He's two and a half years old. He still hasn't picked his, he still hasn't picked his jaw up off the floor because he'd never seen anything like it. And, you know, to see now I'd never seen anything. So everything you've just said there, Jack, is entirely true. My 10 year old self, it was like being transported to a different world. Now where I'm going with this to me, I almost feel like, and it's a very, very lazy comparison uh, because it has been made before. If you take a child to a rally today with World Rally cars, I think that is the exact same thing because they don't represent what's on the road, and they uh, they are an exaggerated. What's the best way? What was what was um, uh, what was? It's like it was like turning a car up to eleven. You know, there's ten there, and then there's eleven, and and that's what. That's what those cars were like for me, and I think that's what the cars are like today. And anyway, that's a whole different conversation um, to get into. But um, just going back to Timu, um, to me, I'm still—I'll be honest with you. I know you said you couldn't use them again. I'm thinking Kankinen in the Persia, and I'm going to contradict myself here because I think an Audi. I'm thinking Walter Rawl. Um, I'm thinking uh, probably uh, Michel Mouton. I'm thinking people like that. But to me, if I'm thinking a driver, I'm thinking Kankinen in the Peugeot. So I've just contradicted myself. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Jack, can I ask who your go-to would be then? Who, who, when you think Group B, obviously you've told us the car. What, what, where would you be with regards to drivers then? Platinum, because I think my favourite, my favourite story from the whole era is the well, not favourite story, but. Um, you know, 85 Monaco, uh, Monte Carlo with, with Vatanen, mm. uh, you know, losing all that time to roll and uh, having the problems and then basically clawing back minutes over minutes, you know. For me, growing up watching rallies won by, uh, you know, a couple of minutes or, you know, we're even down to, you know, 12 or 26 seconds nowadays to, to think the amount of time that Vatanen clawed back on that rally must have been eight, nine, ten minutes, uh, you know, over the course of, of one Monte Carlo rally. And, you know, just just the, the, the difference in, in nature of what a rally looked like those days with people not sleeping and just 
you know six or seven day events and you know three weeks of testing two weeks before it and all that kind of stuff it just for me the the uh, i think less about championships when it comes to group b because i think there's two elements to it i think the the rate of progression of the cars made some drivers were just made sure just some drivers were just in the wrong place at the wrong time like it's quite amazing mark who will never won a title in, in the group b mm. period um, even though he was good enough too and I think it was because he was just always in the wrong place at the wrong time when it came to, to group B and, and machinery really but you know there's lots of stories like that where people have just been caught in the in the wrong place at the wrong time and the, the rate of A the rate of progression of the cars and B the fragility of the cars as well and how, you know how much retirements were going on then and how you know poor some of the equipment was at, at times um, that just means I think a, a, to sustain a championship it was so unlikely that the best person won every year um, and, and that's why I usually think when it comes to Group B, I try to think more of rallies and, and impressive performances on rallies where, you know, maybe it's a bit easier to, to level up two drivers in, in two different cars. And, and for me, you know, Vattenen against Roll, Roll, uh, you know, an absolute master on, on, on the Monte Carlo, one of the first people you pick out if you ever think of the Monte Carlo rally. Um, and for, for Vattenen to take eight or nine minutes out of him, was just incredible. So he, he'd be the person I'd pick for that. OK, OK. Jamie, <laughs> shame on you for not picking Harry Vattenen. <laughs> well, it didn't win, it's not it's not an obvious one because he didn't win a title and some people no. will be sat there thinking why on earth is well, he Gary Vattenen but I think he would have won in 85 to be honest do, do, yeah, you know yeah. what, do you know what I've never really thought about it in, in, in a way and I don't know that it's because they were the spaceship like esque machines like Jack described Jamie but we I guess we don't tend to think about the winners then and I don't know whether it's because the, the world championship was, was very much in its infancy I guess um, and I, I guess it was a lot more about the manufacturers than the drivers, I guess. And that's well, just my you didn't take have on it. To, you didn't have to, to do the full championship as a manufacturer, did you? So that's why you got poorly supported rounds like New Zealand and, and Ivory Coast, which is why you'd get people winning in, in completely left-field cars and locals doing well. Um, it's not... Um, it's not Group B. Wasn't New Zealand won by an 88 by SEP? Haida in a, in a Cadet E or a Mark II Astra GTE. So, you know, before it was all, you know, homogenized and you had to do the entire championship every single round. And I think there was more scope for interlopers to win the odd round in, in unfunded cars, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that was actually a higher car from the airport. He won that in as well. That's how little it was. <laughs> <laughs> right. We come headlong, uh, crashing, mm. if you pardon the pun, into Group 4. Um, Group 4 is a funny one for me because Group 4 has kind of come back around now because everybody wants a Group 4 Escort. Um, mm. And um, if I say another Mark II Escort, I sh- I'll swear I'll scream. But um, um, Valdegard. Yeah, well. And, and yeah, go on, take us through it because I've got my take on it as well. So go on, you, you, you take us through it and then we'll, we'll, we'll go from there. Um, he did some serious winning in perhaps the two most iconic Group 4 cars, the Escort and the Stratos, maybe not the 131. Um, his thumping of Minari in San Remo in 76, despite team orders, I think is is worthy of merit. Um, he won the, the inaugural WRC Championship for drivers in 79, and he was winning throughout the decade. I mean, I think I, this is this all stems from years, years ago when I was a kid. I remember reading an ancient rally, a rally sport. It must have been from the mid-90s, and it was listing the greatest drivers. And, and it sort of filtered through as their reasoning for Wildegard made a lot of sense. His ability to win outside of Group 4. We're talking, you know, he won in Group A as well as Salika. He won, uh, it was at the Monty in 69 and an I'm 11. Um, so just in so many different cars, different eras, different categories. But even in Group 4, 
he was winning, you know, tarmac gravel uh, and in cars of different types. And so that's what put him above, really. <laughs> See, Jack, Jack, Jamie's points are all fully researched. For me, I'm going to go lazy again. And because it's probably footage, remember, I always think of Atten and a Mark Four, you know, the, 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 the legendary group mm. four. Escort, um, Jack, slightly older generation for you, but where did you go with Group 4? Uh, there's not really anyone that really stands out. I think it's very, very difficult to argue with, with Jamie on, on Valdegard. And I think Valdegard's uh, a bit like, maybe um, a little bit like Alain in that sense, that he's kind of done so much over so many different periods. Mm. And, and maybe... Uh, you know, because he's not won consecutively in, in different years in terms of championships or, or anything like that. Maybe he's just, you know, gone down in history as one of the underrated, kind of forgotten about drivers in, in some respects. But yeah, I, I think it's easy to see when Jamie lists what, what Valdegard did, and especially over the different areas. Even in the ST165, Salika, he was, he was very good as well. And, uh, you know, lots of, lots of different shooters and stuff like that. Winner. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, Alain was another one who won in that era. But, you know, also I think of Walter Roll when it comes to to that era as well. I mean, the Ascona, you're kind of edging out of Group 4, aren't you, really? But obviously won in 82 in, in that and, and 80 in the in the 131. Um, Alain was pretty much untouchable in Finland in the 131 over, over kind of a three or four year period. Um, so there's so many good drivers in that period. And, uh, and, and another sort of mini version of Group B in the sense that, um, you know, if you look at the... If you look at that period, Tony, I completely agree with you. When you think of Group Four, you think of the Escort, and you know how many of them do we see now? Thousands of them out on the out on the stages. There's, there's more now than there's ever been before. <laughs> That's yeah, right. Yeah, thing. yeah. But in the drivers' championship, they never won consecutive titles. Mm. So, 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 seventy-seven was was obviously the Stratos. Um, Alain seventy-eight and the one-three-one was obviously was obviously dominant. And then Valdegard won the first drivers' championship with the Escort, but then Roll won the next year in the one-three-one, and then Vattenen won in the Escort, and then role winning the Ascona so you know we think of this we think of the Escort as this dominant beast that was completely untouchable in its period and in, in actual fact there was a lot more going on in that period and a lot more um, you know a lot more behind the scenes going on with the different teams and I think it's quite similar to Group B in the sense that there was a lot of good drivers and, and not enough good cars for those good drivers to, to win in or reliable cars for those drivers to win in as well so another really complicated period where it's difficult to to pick out a greatest driver, but you know, I think, uh, like I said at the start, I think it's difficult to argue with Waldegard. I think he's a I good just, all-round choice. I was just about to say that the, the case was closed. I think when Jamie stopped speaking on that <laughs> one, but, but there you go. If we can very, very, and I think this is going to be exactly the same for Group Two because we want to finish off now. Uh, Timo Mäkinen. Um, uh, I, I haven't <clears> got anything. I haven't got anything other than Timo Mäkinen myself to be honest with you. On this yeah, one, me Jamie. neither. Me neither. We can. We yeah. can we can draw a line to that one, and Jamie can explain why. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I think I suspect I'm probably the same as you. My my interest and like knowledge of Group Two is nothing like the latter stuff, purely because it's harder to relate to someone like me. And you know, minis are interesting, Porsche Elevens are interesting, but I don't have as much interest in, in you know like chaps and Citroen DSs waltzing round, you know, from the Liège, Sofia Liège, and that kind of thing. And Mackinnon seemed to be a a cut above others and able to win into the Group 4 era, um, and a sort of step up of professionalism as well. Plus, he shares his name with, you know, another fairly decent <laughs> Mackinac. So. It was an easy go-to. It was an and, easy and go-to. You, and, <laughs> and you missed the best bit, Jamie. The fact that he drove on Empoia with his bonnet up. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he came third fastest as well. Yeah, any, any, anyone who does that deserves to be the greatest driver of their period, as far it, as yeah. I'm concerned. We'll, we'll, we'll give that one to Timo. Um, listen, Jamie... Want- 
Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, if if anybody wants to get involved in this, by the way, go on the Gravel Crew page. Uh, Jamie put this up on the 20th of February. Um, by all means, get involved. Yeah, pin it to the top. So there's more to discuss there, and I'm sure you'll want to put us straight on a few things as well. You know how to find us, folks. It's absolute underscore rally on Twitter and facebook.com forward slash absolute rally ourselves. And Jamie, we will be getting you back in the not too distant future. Uh, if that's okay with you, because we will discuss more of these points with you as time goes by, because we like to hold you to task from time to time, because we love your page. That sounds wonderful. I've already got a list of, uh, of other uh, driver-car combinations and disappointments for them as well, so uh, don't worry, I'm well set. Well, yeah, because the, 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 the underwhelming one, I think we're going to save that one, because I think I'd like all the boys to be involved in that one. So, um Listen, Jay, we will get you back very, very soon. Um, Jack now is, is going to go and do some proper work away from the UN. So <laughs> we're all, we're all going to go to a break and, uh, your man for me, yeah? yeah absolutely. <laughs> uh, folks, I will be back after this break with current European rally champion, Chris Ingram. This is Absolute Rally. Absolute Rally continues to be partnered by the Kielder Works team, who remain fully committed to the sport and are pioneers of the latest technology. Kielder cordless tools are tailored for all forms of competitive action. Go back to the future with the Kielder Works team. Welcome back to Absolute Rally, and thank you again, folks, for... For all the downloads, the downloads have been fantastic recently and the reviews we've spotted on iTunes, we've been sharing those around, so they really do make a difference. If you are listening, please, if you can hit the subscribe button, that also makes a massive difference as well for us. Anyway, I was minding my own business, having my breakfast the other morning, sat there eating my cornflakes, just socks, underwear. I'm painting a lovely picture for you, aren't I? I apologise. But rallying came on mainstream TV (laughs) here in the UK. It was on BBC, so it made me drop my spoon and it was our current... European Rally Champion Chris Ingram appearing on our screens and I thought I'd get him on just to talk about that and what's going to be happening for 2020. Chris Ingram, welcome back to Absolute Rally. Thanks, Tony. Good to be back. It's been a long time. It's been too long, mate. It's been too long. Last time we were speaking, we were in the stresses and strains of trying to get the budgets together and things like that to complete the season. So first, I I should give you a congratulation. Not only did you get the budget together, you completed the task in hand. You became... European Rally Champion, so congratulations. Thanks a lot, Tony. Right. Now that's where you think the story starts or the story ends. It doesn't. It's it 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 it, it kind of almost it's added to the story again. I watched the, the fantastic piece on BBC. Obviously you you're still working towards what you're gonna be doing in twenty twenty, but you've had some fantastic coverage and mainstream TV here in the UK is it's kind of the toughest thing to break. So how did that come about first, Chris? Yeah, exactly. Um, to be honest, I've always been aiming to try and reach out, you know, and grow my profile outside of the sport because that's how I believe I'll be able to get the big funding eventually. Um, so I've, I've, to be honest, I've built up a lot of really good contacts with the BBC, ITV, some newspapers and stuff. And, and then, lining up when we were going to win the championship and it was obviously just a mega story to be the first Britain 50 years to do it and the way we did it with no funding um, everyone just jumped on the story so it's been amazing publicity I guess the the, the, the other thing as well which 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 your mum did as well. That obviously the the, the 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 crowdfunding which is probably one of the most unique ways and probably the, the only time that 
that's really happened as well for somebody to become, you know, a champion of, of, a, of a championship of, of such prestige, I guess. Yeah, like, you know, when you think of rally champs, you think of manufacturer teams winning them um, at, you know, European and world level. So the way we did it with, you know, just fans on Facebook and p- people getting behind me was incredible and so grateful to everyone that helped. I was, you know, and what I, I can remember the footage of you coming back in, you know, is that, it's that one that we all, you know, I suppose we all still get, uh, get goosebumps and the things that we want to be able to do. Obviously, I'm way, way too old now to have these memories. But when you see somebody come in, winning a rally or winning a championship and they're going back into the service bay and, and you know, the, the team boss is there and the engineers are there and everybody's spraying champagne on the car, you know, that one where you're going back into the arms of Tox Sport, for yeah. me, uh, was also fantastic because, of course, you know, they really, they really got on board with you as well, didn't they? They bought into Chris Ingram and then some. Oh, yeah, massively. Never, you know, we'd never have the chance to, to be rowing without those guys. And I still owe them an awful lot of money, but they keep believing in me. And as long as I can keep finding the sponsorship, they'll, they'll help me as much as they can. So, yeah, so grateful to have found such a fantastic team as well that, uh, they believe in me. It's really lucky, to be honest. Yeah, the, 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 story, the story is now, because, uh, listen, we, we take it for granted. Anybody listening to our podcast is a rally fan. So they would have they seen this, they, you know, they would have seen the story unfold at the time. What, what I'm kind of interested in is obviously, you know, obviously we remember the picture of also of you and Ross embracing you. There's that uncertainty of, of, of whether you've won the championship or not. You get you get confirmation you've won it. You go through all this. You go through the next twenty four hours, thirty six hours. When does it kind of dawn on you that we've really got to start work on twenty twenty now because this is gone. You know, this moment is is you know th- this is something perhaps I'm going to have to look back on in twenty years time because I haven't really got the time to look back on and enjoy this now. I know it's that's so true. To be honest, I should have. I, I enjoyed the moment for a couple of weeks, but really I should have been straight on it finding the funding because it was it was a hot hot news and um, it didn't really sink in either until you know we went to like the FIA awards and got a congratulations from Lewis Hamilton. It it just didn't sink in, so it was a weird one really, just because of all the stress and the pressure of the whole season. Um, yeah, it was it was hard to comprehend what we achieved. And now, obviously, you are working towards what you're, you know, what you're trying to do. And I've seen you reaching out to various people on social media, and obviously, people coming back to you and things like that. Uh, the, the the plan for Chris Ingram now, as a European Rally Champion, what what is the plan, and how do we go about executing that plan? To get into the WRC has always been the plan, and I'd hope that winning this would have given me, you know, a better chance of finding the funding. But at the end of the day, the best, the best thing, you know, the best way I can um, get the funding from outside of the sport is by raising my profile, and that's always been a big challenge with the way rallying is at the moment. And it, the publicity is getting better now, but. As we know, over the last decade or so, it's not 
it's not been where it needs to be. So that's a big focus, just raising my profile in general um, and improving all the time as well. So at the moment, there's a bit of a dilemma where, you know, do I do a few rounds of WRC too or do I do a full season of VRC again where I know that I can improve, you know, I'm improving rally by rally. So, but do I need to get the experience of the WRC rounds now? So it's a bit of a, a tough choice, really. Is there a cut-off point, Chris, where you think, obviously, as we record this now, we're, we're getting towards the end of February. Um, uh, where, where do you need to be making, as I suppose, that decision, that line in the sand and go, right, this is what we're going to do and, and, and kind of focus on that, I guess? Yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> no, no pressure then, Chris. <laughs> I know. So the first round of the ERC is coming up, which is the Azores. Um, and then the next round of the WRC would be able to do is not until um, middle of May, Portugal. So I need to really be deciding ASAP to let the team know. And Talksport are keen for me to, to do the ERC again um, because they think I need to try and win it in a more dominant way. Okay. Which is... Is, is definitely a good idea, but I just don't know whether, you know, I've been in the ERC for so long. Is it time to, to just get the experience of world events? Um, I still don't know. <laughs> we need a vote. I know, I know. We need to put, put, put a listener poll up or something like that. But um, <laughs> I, I guess I guess it comes down to, if, you know, uh, obviously funding what's, what, what's going to be the easiest sell. And I guess when you've got a team like that that, that wants to go in, do something with you. I guess you've got to try and, you know, make the most of that as well. You know, there's, 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 there's far worse positions you could be in. It's a, it is quite a nice dilemma, I, I suppose, for you to be in. And, and, you know, what is going to be an easier sell? Because, you know, and again, I'm, I'm going to go backwards and forwards on this because, you know, I've been equally harsh on ERC at times in the past. And we've been really quite vocal on the podcast, certainly since the turn of this year with regards to where WRC 2 and WRC 3 is, you know, at least yeah. at least in ERC, you know, the R5 car is the lead car and there isn't, you know, you're not the support series, you are the series. Yeah, and you're a big, you're a big fish in a small pond, really. Hmm. It's, so it's, I understand why people say, you know, you need to just go straight to WRC, but... Uh, I don't think those people appreciate the commercial side of things as, as much either. No, no. Because it, the publicity you can get from winning the ERC, as we proved, is massive. Yeah. And has that helped you, in a, put you in a position where, you know, certainly a full-time return to the ERC is now a, a possibility as opposed to, you know, having potentially nothing? Yeah, exactly. Um, and to be honest, just, the publicity alone is from winning it is it brought so much interest. I'm, I, you know, I've got so much interest, but more than I've ever had from from potential sponsors and mostly outside. You know, people that have never been involved in motorsport before, and that never would have happened without the publicity for sure. So, I guess the the challenge is for now for you is to, I suppose, engage. Huh? You know, God forbid. Let's look at it subjectively. I suppose if you did go back and you know you, you didn't win it as dominantly, perhaps is what Toxport wanted. Is what's what's lost? 
at the end of the day as well. You know, what is lost? The fact that you've just yeah. done eight rallies, you know, you've got eight rallies worth of seat time and everything else. And of course, there is options to go and do recce's and other events and stuff like that. So I know it's a difficult decision, Chris, and I'm not trying to make it for you far from it, but um, I, I, I know personally what I'd be doing for, for if, if it was me and, and if I had, you know, potentially commercial backers that wanted to come on board, because that's the other thing as well. You need to get those guys involved now and you know hopefully you can hook them in and they'll come on the journey with you i suppose that's what the ultimate goal exactly. is exactly yeah. yeah definitely to keep building relationships with you know with the sponsors i've retained and with all the people interested now so because i just need to get in i need to do wrc i need i need to get my chance in wrc at some point but it's all about timing isn't it Listen, it's 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 all about timing, and unfortunately, as well, to some degree, it is all about funding, and and that's what yeah. that's what we all know, and that's as you've just said, there's so many people who 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 on the outside perhaps don't really understand the commercialization of, of what goes on in rallying, and how many seats are, are genuinely available without yeah. br- bringing levels of support that have to be brought. Um, yeah, so, I mean, there's only seven seats, really, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's like seven seats and there's probably 15 drivers that are good enough to be in one. So, you know, do we bide our time a little bit longer and, and wait until hopefully more manufacturers get involved and, you know, with, with the sport going hybrid in a few years, is that the right time to be there and to just keep on rallying for now and keep on getting quicker? It's, it's tricky because loads of other drivers have got there too fast and then fallen by the wayside. And listen, people forget as well. I know. And and the other thing I was going to say, there is there, there is nothing like a winning mentality. If you can keep winning, um, then I think that carries you through so much as well because you are used to winning and you're used to you. There's knowing how to win and you've discovered how to win now. And that's yeah, it, it's it's something which sometimes can't be put into words. But there is a mentality and that you 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 you've kind of figured it out because there's proof now because you've done it. So. Um, yeah, I mean, in a championship sense, but every rally there was always like a local hero or or looking up who, you know, these guys are, they could beat anyone on the day, I believe. So there's, there's still so much, you know, so much speed to come, you know, from the rallies that I believe yeah. I can get this year. Uh, because I won it in a very clever way. I didn't want it win it from from speed because I I feel like I couldn't push to limit because I, there was too much to lose. Um, so if I had the chance to be able to push to limit, which I've never had, then it'd be another big learning year. I think. Let me say, let me say this. And we'll, fin- we'll we'll finish on this before we do a bit of a, a wrap up of how people can get in contact with you. But if you win a rally by an hour, or if you win a rally by a second, do you still win the rally. Yeah, <laughs> that that to me is a, is is a perfect analogy. Whatever you've got to take to, to, to whatever you've got to do to win. If you're trying to win a championship, you try and win a championship by any means necessary within exactly. reason, of course. So I, I've got no problem personally um, of, of of how you went about it or how anybody goes about trying to win a championship. I think it's different when people walk yeah. up and just do a rally. That's a very different mentality again. But to try and win a yeah. championship. And, you know, there's been lots of clever rally drivers over the years that have won championships. And, you know, 
at the end of the day, if you're trying to build a career, you need to you need to win championships, which is exactly what you've done. But if people do want to get involved, Chris, and I'm sure most people will know how to reach out to you to listen to this podcast. What's the best way of finding you, Chris? Uh, yeah, so on social media at Chris Ingram Rally. Yeah, there you go. Nice Thanks easy one. Yeah, so yeah, uh, so there you go. Me. Listen, Chris, we will keep in contact, and uh, when you make your announcement with regards to your plans, please do let us know, folks. It has been an absolute joy to have you this week. Thank you so much for the download, and we appreciate our friends at Kielder for our continued support as well. And we'll be back same time, same place, in your little podcast hole next week. Absolute Rally, powered by the Kielder Works team. Spread the word and download the podcast every week.